Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. Well, let's be honest with one another. We have started to get to these parts of the Bible where many good intentions and plans to read through the Bible in a year die. And we're talking about the end of Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers. But hey, that's one of the reasons why we're doing this podcast. So these uh, stretches of scripture that may be harder to understand or might not feel as relevant, we can make some sense of them. And also remember, we're reading from three other places in the Bible every day as well. So I am confident there's always going to be something for us. But today I want to dive right into it with Exodus 29, which is all about the consecration of the priests. And as we get into this end part of Exodus, there's a lot of stuff about the tabernacle and the priest's garments and the dedication of the priests. And here's the dimensions of this part of the tabernacle. And here's the materials used. And I don't want us just to have our eyes glaze over. I want us to realize that there's probably a lot more for us to learn and even to apply from these passages of scripture than we might admit at first. A few things from the consecration of the priests, right? So what's going on here? They're still at Sinai. God has given them instructions on the tabernacle and he's now giving them instructions on what the priests should be like. Chapter 28 was really all about what the priests would wear. And we even saw how they would have the precious stones with the names of the tribes of Israel over their heart. And they had a plate on their forehead, uh, kind of on this turban that said, holy to the Lord. And even we thought about how there's ways we should apply that. Well, here's a few things that we should note um, as we talk about the consecration of the priests. And I want to just preface it by asking this question. Are you a priest? Think about that for a little bit. The New Testament answer would be yes, in a sense, obviously you are, most of you, you're, you're not of the tribe of Levi. You're not part of this priesthood of, under the old covenant, but we would believe in the priesthood of all believers, that God has redeemed us uh, from our sins and, and made us priests before the Lord. We see that throughout into a couple passages of the New Testament. So when we see some of these images describing the priesthood, we shouldn't just view it as something so incredibly distant we should view it as something that we can relate to, even though it's not the Mosaic Covenant, even though this is not the Old Testament. And let me explain a couple things of what I'm talking about. One thing that we see here in the consecration of the priests is the necessary sacrifices, that these priests were not just automatically set up and ready to serve. As a part of their con- consecration, it required a sacrifice for them to be cleansed, for them to be set apart. Hmm, sound familiar? For you to become a priest, was there a sacrifice that was required for you to be cleansed, for you to be set apart? Absolutely. And that sacrifice, it wasn't, you know, two rams without blemish from the herd or a bull. It was Jesus Christ. And 
Also, as we think about what's described here in the consecration of the priests, it talks about the garments, the garments that were described in verse 29. It said, the holy garments of Aaron shall be for his sons after him. They shall be anointed in them and ordained in them, right? And it talks about these special garments that the priests would wear. And again, that's where I think it's helpful for us to think as a part of our consecration and even our salvation, we were given garments, so to speak. We were given the righteousness of Christ to wear, right? That now when God looks at us, he doesn't see filthy rags covering us. He sees the perfect righteousness of Christ. So some of these images of the consecration of the priests should connect with us. And we should see that even in the gospel, in the New Testament, many of these images are are brought back with very important meaning that we should not neglect as we read through the Bible. And we should remember and connect this passage to passages like 1 Peter chapter 1, where he urges them to be holy, to be set apart, to be, in a sense, consecrated. And as a part of that, he reminds them, you were not, you weren't saved with the blood of animals or with gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ. And so this should be a reminder to us uh, of our consecration. And we should be reminded of the cost of that. And we should be encouraged today to say, I am going to live for the Lord. I am set apart for him. And finally, a third thing to notice from this chapter in Exodus 29 is that then they were given instructions on offerings that they were to make every day. In verse 38, it says, now this is what you shall offer on the altar, two lambs a year old, day by day, regularly. One lamb you shall offer in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. And we get a sense that there is this constant uh, sacrifice setting apart the tabernacle. And again, I think that is an image that we should apply to ourselves, that we are set apart for God. And a part of that is a constant sacrifice. And here we want to be reminded even of Romans 12, 1, where Paul calls believers to offer themselves as a living sacrifice. And I even want you to think, I don't know, are you listening to this in the morning? Are you listening to this in the evening? Well, I want you to take a moment to just even recognize and admit my life is not my own. It belongs to Jesus Christ. I am laying my life down on the altar to serve him. My life is a sacrifice to follow and to serve the Lord Jesus Christ. So hopefully we see some things and hopefully as we continue to go through kind of a stretch that some people will think of as more difficult, we're going to find so many things to learn and to think about and even to apply to our lives and even things that will cause us to worship our God and our Savior. Let's look to another picture of people being set apart and even consecrated today, and that's the beginning of Acts chapter 13. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 12. And in verse 1, it says, Now there was a church in Antioch. Now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Menaean, a lifelong friend of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul to the work to which I have called them. Then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So we see now Paul and Barnabas are being set apart for missionary service. And that's a good reminder that for us as Christians that we are all to be set apart 
to the Lord. And as a part of that, there will be times where we will be set apart for some specific purpose for the cause of his kingdom. And in this case, Paul and Barnabas, we're going to see it's the work of missions, and it's really even the work of church planting. And they're going to do that. They start by going to the island of Cyprus there in the Mediterranean Sea. And there's this instance where they're sharing the gospel, but this magician opposes them. And Saul, who now we start to see referred to as Paul, he rebukes him. And even in as an act of judgment, blindness falls on this man. And it has a convincing effect, but notice how it's worded in verse 12. Then the proconsul believed, and when he saw what had occurred, when he saw what had occurred, for he was astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I found that very interesting that even though this sign was done to confirm what Paul and Barnabas were saying at the, at the end of this passage, it's not the miracle that is so impressive to this proconsul. It is the teaching of the Lord. And so that's something that we should be confident in, even as we seek to spread the gospel, that we can be confident in the power of the teaching of the Lord, and we should be praying for that to astonish people. Because we need the teaching of the Lord to do great things, and we know that the power of the Holy Spirit can do great things. And we're reminded of why that is is needed there in Matthew chapter 12, verses 43 to 50. And we talked recently from Matthew, just about how behavior modification only doesn't work. A bad tree produces bad fruit, and you can't make a bad tree produce good fruit. But there's a lot of people in this life that something blows up, and they try to, okay, I'm going to get my act together now, and they try to do it all in their own strength, and they try to do it without uh, looking to the Savior that they need. They're just trying to modify their behavior. They don't realize that they need to be totally renewed and regenerated from the inside out. And I think we see a picture of that here, even in Matthew chapter 12, starting in verse 43, where it talks about an unclean spirit going out of a person, and then it eventually comes back, and things are worse uh, than they were before. And I feel like I've personally seen that with so many people, that their life is a mess, but they say, no, 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 I'm going to clean it up. And maybe that works for a little while, but then before you know it, things are worse than they ever were before. And I think that's what happens when people just try to fix themselves. People try to get their act together. People try to pull themselves up by their spiritual bootstraps instead of looking to Jesus Christ and admitting even that they need forgiveness, admitting that they need help and looking to a savior to save them from the inside out. And we know that ultimately will change behavior in ways that are permanent and lasting. We also see just this interesting thing at the end of this chapter where Jesus says, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he says, everyone who does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. And how Jesus even was starting to put so much emphasis even on the spiritual family. And there's a lesson for us to learn there. May we uh, look around at those around us who are doing the will of God and say, that's my brother. That's my sister. This is my family. And I hope we care about those people like Jesus did. Finally, we're starting Psalm 22 together. We'll be spending a few days here. And there's many things to learn in this psalm. But one thing that I want to point out, and I've pointed out before from this psalm, which is a psalm really of David talking about despair. And we know it's ultimately a messianic psalm. But look at how it starts off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? 
from the words of my groaning. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Ugh, right? What a miserable way to start a psalm. There is no hope in this. Well, let's get to verse three. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. In you our fathers trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And then he gets back into talking about his sufferings, but we'll see even tomorrow. Again, the first word of verse nine, when we pick it up tomorrow, is going to be yet. So he talks about his grief and his sorrow, but he keeps coming back to yet. This is what I know is true. And today he comes back to, God, you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. You've been worthy of the trust of our forefathers. And they trusted in you, were not put to shame. So if you might be despairing this morning, it's a good reminder for us not just to listen to ourselves, but to talk to ourselves and not just to amplify our feelings, but to settle on the truth that we know about God. So I hope that encourages some of you today. And I hope we're seeing, hey, no matter where we are in the Bible, there is so much to learn. There is so much about which we can worship God. And there is so much for us to apply. And I can't wait to do this with you again tomorrow on Revival from the Bible. Thanks for digging into God's Word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out RevivalFromTheBible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.